Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It's 105 in Edmonton, hour number two of Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer in the 630 Chad studio, CBA-mandated off day for the Edmonton Oilers on the heels of a five-game road trip that concluded with a 5-2 loss last night in Winnipeg. Second hour of Oilers Now is brought to you by Digitex. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. We'll tell you the guests on the show receive guest certificates to Japanese Village. Open to serve you at any one of their five Edmonton and area locations. Try the legendary Wagyu steak cooked right before your eyes. Reserve now at jvedmonton.ca. Keep texting us on the Ashley Five Floors text line 780 780- Four nine six zero zero six three. Get the new floors you've always wanted with Ashley Fine Floors, 143rd Street, 111th Avenue, open Monday to Saturday. And you can reach us on the River Cree Resort and Casino hotline at 780-496-0063. The River Cree Resort and Casino, excitement, bet on it. Uh, we bring aboard from the Cult of Hockey, political affairs columnist of the Edmonton Journal, David Staples. Hello, David. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Bob. I played my first game of goalie at age 59 on the weekend, and I think I'm finally recovered from it, so doing okay. Uh, So now does that make you an expert in goaltending? (laughs) Oh, you know it. No, that is one thing that I know nothing about. Stop the puck. If you stop the puck, square up to the puck, try to get it in the way, that's it. I may have been a guy who once said to a former uh, teammate of mine after he gave up the fourth rebound uh, that got buried into the net when we were killing a penalty once, you got to have that one too, and shook my head laughing, right? <laughs> I may have been that guy. Anyhow, David, the Edmonton Oilers are 11-4. and four. Give me your assessment of where the team's at right now. A, a great first 10 games, uh, a sobering last five games, Bob. And I think we're learning a little bit uh, about where the weaknesses are on this team. I mean, I think everyone realized that for the Oilers to compete for the Cup. They can't compete with this team. They're going to have to make some changes along the way. And I think the, the, the last five games have given a little window into where the strengths are and where the weaknesses are. All right. Um, so tell me this from your perspective. Uh, we'll, we'll, you know what? We'll start uh, just specific to the recent struggles. What has become glaring to you? Well, the offense is still there. This team has a fantastic offense. And in the first 10 games, for instance, they averaged 13.7 grade A shots per game. And in the last five, they've been the same, 13.8 grade A five shots per game. But when it comes to defense, Bob, this team has taken a major step back in the last five games. So in the first 10 games, they were only giving up 11.4 grade A shots per game. But in the last five, they've been giving up 13.6 grade A shots per game. So about the same as they're getting. They've been trading chances. Um, and you can trade chances when you have a superior goaltender in that every night, like you did in the 1980s with Grant Fuhrer and Andy Moak. When you have uh, Mikko Koskinen and Stuart Skinner, you trade chances and you're going to lose at least half the games. So that's what's been happening in the last little while. And and it's been heavily tilted. The ice has been most tilted against the Oilers, unfortunately. They have two excellent top two lines. But the two bottom lines, there's there's some major problems there that, they, that, that are going to need fixing. 
All right. Uh, a couple things. When you're doing these grade A chances, are these just even strength chances or are they all situational chances? This is all situations uh, chances for the team, average per game. For the 200... We, we also break it down into even strength power play, but the, the numbers I just gave you for all situations. For the 245th time, is it possible that you have a bias that favors the Oilers on what a scoring chance is? It's it's entirely possible, Bob. But when, when we're so in the numbers I'm giving you, though, that, that bias wouldn't change over the 15 games. So, like, if I'm saying they're high... Uh, early on now, four and high, you know, the same bias would exist. I think that, that we're aware of that critique. You've made it a few times. Yeah. So uh, we're, we're aware of it, and we're doing everything, you know, we, we, we do everything in our power to correct that we have two people going over the chances, we publish the chances, so, you know, our goal is to get it right. So, But I do think, actually, that, that we're getting the chances right this year. The Oilers were a superior team in the first 10 games, and that should be reflected in the grade-A chances. And I think in the last five games, they've been an even up team, and I think that's reflected in the grade-A shots. Okay, well, and they just played five games on the road where they didn't have last change. Uh, so how much of this is a bottom six forward situation? And and how much of this have, have been some of the challenges on the back end? Uh, where would you assess the greatest areas of difficulty that Edmonton's dealing with right now in terms of why they're yielding so many opportunities? I think it's uh, the, the bottom two lines mainly. I, I, I'm, I'm okay-ish with the defense, but I think that, um, you know, there's been good and bad plays on the defense and some players have been better than expected some players a bit worse but the bottom two forward lines so at even strength and my colleague Bruce McCurdy pointed this out to me last night without McDavid Drysaddle and RNH on the line without those three players on the line and this is according to natural stat trick at even strength the Oilers have given up their bottom two lines they've scored nine goals and they've given up 20 so all the good work you know, much of the great work done on the power play and the penalty kill on the Oilers is given away then by those bottom two lines. They're getting outscored. You know, they're getting doubled in score. And, you need, you know, the the ideal for those bottom two lines is that they can saw it off somehow um, against all the competition they're out for against, which is both, you know, mainly against players like themselves, but sometimes they're against tough players on the road. Yeah. So nine goals for, 20 goals against. It's not nearly good enough. And it, I just think it, it highlights for Ken Holland, here's something that he can do to change things. And, Bob, I don't – I'm just going to – like, I, it doesn't make sense necessarily to me, the bottom – some of the bottom players, because I don't really understand their role. I don't understand, like, uh, Turris's role or Perlini's role. I don't really get – you know, usually those guys, they're supposed to be good defensive players, four-check hard, big physical players, or they can help on the penalty kill. Derek Ryan isn't playing that well, but he's playing well on the penalty kill, so you, I think you justify his spot in the lineup that way. But there's a few other players, and there's, there's, you know, there's, those, are the, those are the two biggest examples that I just gave, but I don't really get what their role is. Jeez, it was almost like you were uh, eavesdropping on a couple conversations I had this morning. I, I mean, it's <laughs> it was evident yesterday, right, in terms of tourists. In fairness to tourists and Perlini, they were more offensive players every step of their NHL careers. I mean, it ran yeah. dry for tourists in Detroit, one goal in the last 40 games, but three times he had 10-plus goals. He's used to being in a more offensive situation. He's a shooter. Uh, that, that's Sorry, that's Perlini. Tourists at this stage of the game, you know, three-time 24-plus goal scorer, precipitous. He's no longer playing center. He's playing the right wing. I'll go on record right now. Like, you watch the Oilers play, and I had 
three scouts on the road trip say to me the same thing. Edmonton needs two more forwards. You might have an internal solution by, say, March with Holloway. He might be a guy because he can skate. And yeah. he, you know, and and the one thing, I, and I, I, I don't want to sit there and, and, and sell false hope to the fans, but I often ask the player, like one of the reasons, I, I've told the story before, David, <laughs> I, I knew Derek Ryan could play in the NHL when he went to Sweden because guys that were Swedes in the NHL that were on the Oilers team, Victor Foss, they said, Victor, Derek Ryan's the MVP of the Swedish Elite League, the SHL. Can he play in the NHL? He goes, yes, absolutely he can. My friends say this guy's smart enough that he can think his way around the ice and play in the NHL. He can play in that league. Derek Roy... In the uh, 14-15 season, this is before Edmonton had ever won the lottery, uh, I asked him point blank, I said, how good is this McDavid kid? He goes, well, I skated with him this summer, and he would have been a 70-point player in the NHL this season. As a 17-year-old, he would have been a 70-point player. So, you know, the players are the first to know. So back to Holloway. He has impressed the Oilers players when they've seen him uh, on the ice with him before he got shut down in the fall. They're like, this guy can skate. He's, he's, he's not a small guy. And, and so when we think of organic solutions, he might be an organic solution at forward for Edmonton, say, David, by March. But they're probably going to – because if you look at the makeup of the Oilers team now, they don't have Devin Shore right now. Not everybody likes Devin Shore, David, as you know. But he's, uh, I'd say, a legitimate bottom six forward in the NHL today. And can they get another guy? Like, there's a guy in Seattle right now that's not playing. That's a six foot four right wing that can kill penalties. Okay, who's that? He got jumped earlier this year in a fight by Nate Thompson at the end of a shift, but he played really well last year for Lindy Ruff in New Jersey, and and he's on a he's on a two year deal. Okay, that's Nathan Bastian. Nathan Bastian. There's no false illusions about what he is. He's a fourth line right wing, and he's in and out of Seattle's lineup right now. But he, he can kill like Colton Sevier. You you might argue, David, is Colton Sevier? I would put him in. I'd put him in ahead of Turris because because Colton Sevier is is strong defensively. He takes care of his own end, and I think that's the fundamental thing for these bottom line players is they have to be strong defensively. Alex Chason wasn't a, a great even strength hockey player. Like he wasn't a great even strength attacker. He did very well in the power play, but he was really smart and solid defensively. Chason would be a, a huge improvement right now over Perlini or or Turris. I think on the wing, so they just—I just think it needs to make more sense. Like get a big physical guy who can play some defense, and and that's your answer. And I don't think you know you you mentioned Bastion. I don't think these players are too hard to acquire. Like that kind of player. Now to, to get someone who can play. Like I'm not, I, I, I'm okay with Ryan so far. I, I saw him. I thought he played very well his first few games, and I think if he gets the right line mates, he can play on the checking line. I'm I'm not writing him off in that role. I think Fogel, Ryan, and someone maybe Cassian, but maybe it's going to be Holloway. You know. So that's the hard position to fill is, is who can play the third line checking line role. But the, these fourth line roles, you can like these players like Bastian and others like this, they're out there and the owners just need a more kind of, I just think of frankly, a rational approach to what the role is and who do they have filling it and, and maybe get someone else in there because the price to get someone in isn't going to be too high. Uh, FYI, uh, I know I've mentioned a guy out of Arizona multiple times, David. Yep. You know who Lawson that is? Kraus. Yeah, Lawson Kraus. I'm led to believe at this time that he is considered part of the sort of the un, 
they're not tra- there's there's only three or four guys like they're not trading Jacob Chikrin and Lawson Krause has played and the thing is Krause struggled last year and kind of fell a little bit out of favor with Rick Tockett and he's been accelerated this year in his role and so uh, I'm led to believe that he's not available out there right now so and, and I mean he's playing on the Coyote, I think he's on the Coyotes top line I was looking at him as a third line left wings uh, that could kill penalties Bastion is a fourth liner like make no mistake yeah. he is not a top nine forward he's a fourth line player it's it's interesting to see it and and the irony is we're sitting here david the team's 11 and 4 uh kristen shilton is now working for espn she just ranked edmonton the number one team in the nhl uh on espn (laughs) and we're talking about how to fix the bottom six and oh by the way the orders might have not one but two mvps go for it give it a rep well, we're talking about it because hockey. I think hockey's a it, it's it's a strange game in that it, it's the great players make a huge difference, but it's also a weak link game. Your weak links cost you goals, and one goal is one goal. McDavid and Drysaddle can only play a third of the game, so a lot of the rest of the game, there's these other guys out there. They've got to carry their 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 weight because if they don't. Goal against, goal against, goal against, and you add it all up. It's nine goals for and twenty goals against, and and a team that's that's eleven and four uh, has lost a win or two because of that, and and might not be able to compete in the playoffs. So so these these all of the players on a team. You know, some pe- times people chide us. Well, you're debating to death the fourth line center. It matters because that center can cost a goal in a, in a big moment in a big game. It happens all the time. You have to have a fully functioning team. It's nice that uh, this you know this person has. Uh, I, I'm not familiar with the writer, but that she's rated the Oilers number one in the NHL. I don't think that's necessarily an overreach. This is a really, really good hockey team, and if Mike Smith comes back healthy, that'll be another uh, positive sign. But um, it's not a perfect team, and and it's not a team. We're seeing a team that's got issues that need to be fixed. Yeah, you know, uh, what's interesting, David, is I've received some texts today from people saying, Stoffer, quit selling me. You know, they should have never brought Mike Smith back. It's like the fans forgot that Edmonton had the the seventh best save percentage in the NHL. We're not. We don't actually know what Edmonton has. Like like Koskinen's had to start a ton of games here. We don't really know a hundred percent what Edmonton has in goal, or do we know what Edmonton has in goal, David? Well, Koskinen has been shelled in the last few games, and he's made he's made. Listen, he's let in some bad goals. There's no. You've seen him. He, he knows it. Everybody knows it. He's let in a handful of bad goals in the last five games, but. He's been shelled. Like 13.6 grade-A shots against a game, you're going to let in three or four goals a game on average if you get that many grade-A shots against. You know, that's just the way it is for NHL goalies. They let in three out of four grade-A shots. So we don't know because if Mike's – to answer your question, Bob, we don't know because we don't know if Mike Smith's going to be healthy or not. And the big fear going into this year was that he wouldn't be because in the past – in his recent history, when he hasn't been healthy, it's been a huge problem for him and his team. If Mike Smith is healthy, the Oilers, I don't think, have a goalie problem because Mike Smith is an outstanding goalie. And Mikko Koskinen is a good goalie. He can be a good goalie. He's up and down and can, you know, can be inconsistent. And Stuart Skinner has surprised everybody, I think, by looking good. He came in the third period there, and he was, you know, played it perfect. So um, he's looked good at other times. So it's not dire. And so this is, why, this is why I'm focused on these bottom two lines. I don't think that a trade for a goalie right now is, is the top priority. It might be down the road. Just have to see how this plays out. 
but there's some fixing to do, and it's on the bottom lines. Dave, you spent the better part of 18 months writing about COVID. We haven't given anybody any COVID numbers at all lately, but I'm going to give you some, the listeners some numbers so they have some context. On October the 1st, in Edmonton, what is considered the Edmonton Health Zone, which includes the surrounding areas, there were 5,080 active cases. Currently, there are 1,202 in the Edmonton Health Zone active cases. So basically a drop of 75% of the active case uh, rate. In actual Edmonton proper, excluding uh, the outlying areas, there's a 738 active cases. Um, there was 316 people in Edmonton hospitals uh, on October the 1st. We are currently down to 154, so about half. And there was 115 people at that time uh, that were in ICU, and we're down to 46. And by the way, we've gone from 74.5% to 82.3%, 12 plus fully vaccinated. Uh, there's your update over the course of the last six weeks. Where are we headed with this thing? Do you think they're... Because my it's son was asking where we're today. Headed, Bob, but I'll tell you one thing. Here's, here's one piece of good news. Six weeks ago, people were losing their minds that the Oilers and Flames would have fans at their games. They were saying, this is like, you know, this is just insanity that this is going to happen, all these people crammed in. We have not had major outbreaks because of these big indoor events. That's fantastic news that we have. And in fact, we've seen the case counts fall since uh, the NHL's come back. Six weeks ago, we had the uh, Canadian Medical Association, the Alberta Medical Association, calling for a major, major severe lockdown, another one, one more. The, the government didn't go in that direction. And what has happened? We, we see our case counts, hospitalization counts, ICU counts are all crashing without that kind of major lockdown. There has been a major lockdown on the unvaccinated, of course, and that, that seems to be, if we're going to guess what caused the case counts to crash, that seems to, be, seems to have worked. So as long as stick to that policy, that's really, that's unhappy news for the unvaccinated. They hate to hear it, but stick to that policy. And it looks like fingers crossed you never know what's going to come next fingers crossed that the vaccinated can generally speaking get on with the, with their lives as we've been doing what about masks oh i hate them bob <laughs> like if i'm completely honest i hate wearing one but i grudgingly wear it and i will grudgingly wear it until the the, the mask mandate comes off I, you know once i think once i i think the majority of people would be very very extremely overjoyed happy to get rid of the mask i don't see why you need masks in schools personally with the kids in in sweden we saw it last year last winter they didn't have the masks in school not huge outbreaks in schools but uh, so i'm just hoping once icu cases get maybe below 50 for covid patients and the you know the 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 hospital system gets back up and running the surgeries are running as normal that we can get rid of the masks that would be my preference all right david how do people follow you for hockey uh, at D Staples on Twitter, Bob. And for all those uh, left to center listeners that are uh, presidents of your respective fan club, uh, how can they follow you on Twitter as well on for the political stuff? <laughs> if they're nice, they can follow me at D Staples Yeg on Twitter. Oh, sometimes it's the guys that aren't nice that make me, and it's it's because there's it's very few women that would use the terminology that some uh, some fellows out there seem to want to deploy. Uh, they make me chuckle. Great stuff, David. Thanks for your time, my man. Thanks, Bob. It's 124 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer and Brendan Escott with you on Orders Now. John Shannon's coming up at 1.30, but let's do this. Let's tell you. You already know cars cost less than Wetaskiwin, but did you know Brent Ridge Ford and Wetaskiwin? Ten times present awards winner for customer satisfaction. What does it mean? It means treating people fairly, fully, transparent negotiations and making sure advertised prices include all accessories, fees, and taxes, with the exception of GST. 
If those attributes are important to you, phone our friends, Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang. 1-877-477-3673 or visit brentridge.com. We'll take a quick timeout, get to the Ashley Fine Floors text line on Oilers Now. Subscribe to the Oilers Now podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chat. Welcome back, everybody. You can text us 780-496-0063. Ashley, Fine Floors, text line. The Oilers, the return engagement with the Winnipeg Jets tomorrow night. They're going to need to play better. They're going to need to be physically engaged. Can't allow the Jets to lean on some of the Oilers' players. Don't be afraid to make it difficult. I don't know about you guys, but watching last night's game, Pierre-Luc Dubois, even he was running around a bit. was a little bit surprised by that. The Oilers go into tomorrow's game. They've played 15 games this year. They're 11-4. and four. They have a plus 15 goal differential with special teams. So even though they're a combined minus 11 for the entire team, uh, which is basically one even strength goal and one empty net goal, right? There's your minus 11 uh, on the year. Um Plus 15 goal differential with special teams is part of the reason why their orders in the position 11 and 4. I asked, do we know what we have with the orders goaltending right now? Seventh in the league in save percentage last year. It's been dropping for the orders as the uh, season has gone on this year. Uh, they went into last night's game 13th. Uh, they were 8th when they took on Detroit. So they went from 8th to 13th over a five-game span on the road. Bob, yes, we do know. And we also know we don't have a playoff goaltender. Mike Smith is injury-prone going into the playoffs. And what happens if he gets hurt? We're done. Thanks. That one comes to us from Buck. Um this texter out of Edmonton says, Bob, we are relying, please uh, put your names to the text if you can. Uh, we're relying on a 40-year-old journeyman to be our starter. Oh, and by the way, that 40-year-old goalie has injury problems. Who would have thought it? Bob, if we had functional toughness and a better left shot D, we might be the best team, but we're missing uh, the easy-to-get role players. Well, we'll wait and see. And uh, texter adds, Sevier is fine. The other wing is tough. Fighting still matters. If we win a fight, it picks the team up. It's different ways to change momentum in games. Some would say, special, you know, shorthand and goal is a way to win a game. Uh, you know, the order is lethal on the power play. You can win games there. Again, the team's 11-4. and four. they got to play better than they did yesterday. Absolutely. No one's debating that for a second. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. And when we come back, John Shannon, our NHL insider for Legacy Heating and Cooling. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.